like all the smartest investors I've talked to that are that have own thousands of units around town that are billionaires, hundred millionaires, they all reinvested their profits and they had some sort of income to support themselves while they were growing their portfolio. Like if you live off the cash flow too fast, you're not gonna be able to grow. So if you want to grow your portfolio, you got to have some sort of income coming in. I'm Eric Anderson, and we're so excited today to welcome uh, a special guest. But before we get to him, and we're going to learn a, a lot of exciting things about our friend in the other coast, yep. uh, we want to introduce our one of our power panels today. As always, we have our power panelists. We have Nima Mary from a uh, from a Mary Law Firm. <laughs> How are you, Nima? I'm doing swell. I just want to let everyone know we're not affiliated with Remax. That's true. We're not. We're not affiliated with Remax. At we all. are the Remix, even though <laughs> even though even though Remax is trying to sue us for our logo. We're all good. Oh. So today we are so excited to have. Thank you, Jason Lee. Jason Lee. Jason, welcome. Welcome. Hey, thanks for having me. So, Jason, give us an overview because the way I know you is you're is you're teaching people how to acquire and learn about commercial real estate, um, commercial investments, uh, multifamily investments. I think you're doing some flipping. Like, tell us, tell us where, where your main points of, of um, projects are going right nah, now. That's bullshit. Tell us a little about you, Jason. How old are you? <laughs> I'm 26 years old. He's young. You're 26? 26. Yeah, he's 26. Correct, correct. Da damn, Daniel. All right. Awesome. All right. So when did you get into the real estate game? Uh, when I was 21, when I was a junior in college still. Okay. So you've only been in the game for like five years. Yeah. Like, yeah, a little over five years. That's phenomenal. So did you, did you start, like, is your family in real estate or did you just pick it up while you were in school? No, no, none of my family's in real estate. Um, I picked, yeah. I mean, I just learned from, from people that I met at school, honestly, just networking. That's, that's amazing. So, so guys, whoever's watching this, whoever's listening, a lot of our viewers, I mean, you're talking to a guy and we'll get into what his accolades are later, just, but put in context, you know, he's younger probably than a lot of you or the same age or close to. And if what you're hearing from him, if he can do it right, why can't you guys? So listen tight because if you're like, oh, well, I have this, I have that, you know, it's still doable. So Jason, tell us a little bit. So you're, you're a junior in college. What are you studying, bro? What were you saying? He was. He's out, he was he's out of college, dude. <laughs> I was studying. I was studying biology. I was on the pre-med route, which was miserable. And then I changed my major to communication after I started at, in my real estate company, just so I could graduate as soon as possible. Wow. Uh, so now perfect. Jason does currently broker a lot of deals, and then he's gone into the investment world. Well, well yeah, yeah. If you don't mind, I'm, I just want this is. I'm very interested. In, I'm very because of his age. Okay, right. All right. So you're 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 studying in school. Does your family own real estate? Where they? If you don't mind me asking, what do they do? No, no, my family does not own real estate. Uh, I come from a lower middle class family suburb up in Northern California. My parents did not own any. I mean, we owned our house, but. You know, it was tough to make the mortgage payments at some years. So my dad was a cop slash security guard throughout the years, retired army veteran. And then my mom, she kind of jumped around from jobs, but um, yeah, that's basically it. 
So guys, listen to this podcast, right? He's self-made. So for all of you who think that maybe he, he had a golden spoon in his mouth or silver spoon, we already know that's not the case. So listen really closely as we start getting into what Jason's doing. So, all right, you're junior. Self-made at 26. You're starting, you're starting, <coughs> you're starting uh, studying biology. And you're like, I, I like, like what happened where you woke up and you're like, I like real estate. Like, what was that did you, moment? Did you watch a TV show? Did, did you, you have read a friend? A book? Did you no, see a dude I know. Ferrari and you're like, how did this loser get it? <laughs> yeah, I, I know everyone says that um, they read their book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, but I never even touched that book. Bullshit, I, bullshit I re- book. Bullshit I read book. it. I, that was the first book. I love I love it. Taught me to have your money work for you. Now you work for your money. I, yeah, I, I don't like Kiyosaki as a person, though, honestly. But uh, Jason and got in a fist fight at a bar. <laughs> 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 yeah, no, th- there was no like specific moment. I think it was just seeing like all the kids that I've networked with became friends with in college, like seeing who was the most successful and every single one of them either were owned a business, were in real estate or had some sort of rental property. So I knew there was something there. All right. That's dope. That makes sense. And it's also super cool that notwithstanding, you still decided that you wanted to finish college. You didn't quit on that. You made sure you had a degree. So you're, 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 you're 21. Now you're junior college What's that first step you took into real estate? Like, what was that first entry-level movement you made? Yeah, the first move I made was starting as an intern, no pay at all, just working there three days a week to learn. Uh, and then I was there. At a brokerage? Yeah, at a, yeah, at a, at a multifamily brokerage. I met the owner of the company at a speed networking event on campus it was like 20 professionals met with 20 students for like two minutes and then me and him kind of hit it off and i knew nothing about real estate at the time so i was surprised he liked me and then ended up starting this company was there for three four years and branched out and started my own so you 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 started your own only the last year or two then yeah i started my i branched out like end of 2021 Okay. So you're, you're sorry, Noel, go. I just want to say, I find that very, very uh, commendable. Refreshing. Yeah. Refreshing that you were like, let me go and learn the trade. Let me learn the ins and outs. I don't need to get paid because I know it's going to have a payoff later. Young people today don't do that. They don't, anymore. Everybody wants to make money from the get go. And, and I appreciate Jason, you that. young I love man. It, Jason. What a great I love thing. It. All right, bro. So you're there, you're grinding. You're like, let me, let me suck some education out of this guy in a great way. So you're educating yourself and you're learning about real estate. Um, what was that? What was the first proactive step you took in? And we're going to get to that. Now you own, you're on the, on the owner end. So aside from brokering, right? The, the real money is on the owning the equity, um, when, well, what, did, when did you start actually becoming an active participant in real estate? What do I mean by that? Like, was it first as a sales agent? Was it as an investor? Like what was that first active participation beyond just learning? Well, my first, so when I started at the company as an intern, I didn't have my license yet. So it took me like six months to get my license. And during that time I was just learning how to become a commercial real estate agent. So when I got my license, I went full time into it. So my first job in real estate or first career was starting as an agent in the industry, serving investors around uh, Southern California. So what was your first deal as an agent? First deal as an agent was a small one. It was a fourplex for, I I listed it for $800,000. Took me like six or seven months. Yeah. Like six or seven months after starting to get my first listing. That was a miserable first year. And then (laughs) 
after I got my first listing, the owner actually unexpectedly passed away and the property went into probate. And I actually almost quit the day after that happened because I was so like, like, wow, like this industry is not meant for me. I Like there's no good luck coming out of this. I'm going to quit. But for some reason, I stuck with it and we got a good probate attorney and closed like three months later. But usually that takes like an like a year or two to actually get out of probate in California. But during that time period, I also got two or three more deals under contract. So I think from that moment, my career really jump started and it's crazy that I almost quit at the time. So it's kind of crazy looking back at the moment. How are you paying your bills during this time? Because right, a lot of people listening are like, well, I have to have income. I need to pay my bills. But he was a college student. He was eating ramen. We don't you know, know that. Well, you were living at <laughs> like, home. Living he was probably at home. living at home yeah. with his parents. No, his parents lived in Northern oh, California. No, wait, 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 wait. Listen to the details, guys. His parents live in Northern California, San Diego Central. Okay. Well, then what were you doing? No ramen? <laughs> no. I mean, <laughs> no, no ramen. I was basically working... I was still a full-time student. I'm just trying to think back. I was working a full-time career still. I was um, no part-time as a stats tutor and then to kind of support myself like during that crazy time where make, making no money in real estate. I remember doing Facebook ads marketing for like three coffee shops around town. So I was making like 3,000 bucks a month. Okay, that's good. Oh. So you were hustling. Yeah. You were hustling, to, but you're still yeah. making sure that your dream was going to go ahead and you were living that that rough life. All right. So you sell this house and now would you say- Multifamily. Multifamily. Property. I didn't mean to offend the commercial brokers here. You, I don't know if you watch our podcast, but we don't think too highly of residential real estate agents on here, apparently. We've, we've we heard do the, think highly of residential. Uh, you, there's a lot of butthurt people. We at the people. Center for Real Estate Education, we make residential and commercial real estate agents. We love them We love all. everybody. I highly we recommend watching the podcast the on, on residential guys. Right, so you, what, so let, me, let me go. What were the takeaways after you, after you realized that you're not quitting and you had those listings and you were at that other brokerage and you were interning and you finally started making money? When did you decide you needed to go do your own thing? I think when I didn't need my broker's help anymore. I was doing all the transactions on my own. I think I did like, you know, 15, 20 transactions without him in 2020, like during some of the hardest times and I didn't really need his help anymore. So at that point, I didn't really get any value from the company besides paying them a split. So I know at bigger firms like CBRE, Cushman and Wakefield and some of the big firms, they get a lot of business inbound from because it's a huge company but at my company is a small shop so i was just getting all my own business and closing all my own deal so i was like what's the point of staying if i don't even get any leads or any value so okay so no leads yeah that's that's a big problem so yeah but i think we in a good way we've established that he wasn't looking for anything in the beginning other than experience and he took the entry level which which he got which is great True, so but loyalty goes a long way no it's be bullshit. Loyal. Did, I believe in loyalty. Listen, no one's when 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 Jason in twenty years can't pay his mortgage, his broker's not going to walk back and say, "Here's a check, buddy. Thank you for being loyal to me." That He's going to be like, "I'm sorry, bro." That so you got to be loyal to yourself. Don't fuck other people over. But when no one has a value add to you anymore, unless they elevate you, then they recognize your level and bring you to theirs. Then there's no purpose in still being underneath them. So did you Agreed? talk? Did you talk to your broker about that and say, "Look, you're not you're not bringing me anything. What can we do to to work through this?" And and or did you just say, "I'm out." No, I mean, it was a very, it was a frank conversation. We're still on good terms. I mean, don't talk that much, but it was a very friendly conversation. I just said, um, I said, I've been thinking about it for a long time and I think it's time for me to, to leave and start my own thing. And 
they were they honestly kind of they kind of supported me through it so okay Support you. They went outside, slashed his fucking tires, like <laughs> keyed his car. Like he got a brick through his windshield, and they blamed the homeless guy. Oh, it's San Diego. What are you gonna do? So All right. So Jason, where did he go. move from from being an agent into so buying you got, your own stuff? You got. You had to get your broker's license, right? You got your broker's license. I got. I, before we get there, right? Where, where they're going, we all, we see where they're going. Uh, during this time, you're making money, right? I want to know you as a person. What was going on in your mind as now you're getting these checks in? Are you what are you out getting nice cars and you're elevating your lifestyle? Or are you thinking bigger picture? Like how were you treating the revenue you got in I at feel this like phase? I'm a bigger picture kind of guy, but go ahead. We we're gonna allow you to answer, yeah. Jason. D definitely bigger picture. I'm not materialistic. I was driving a I had five, no, I, I had 10 properties and I was still driving a 2017 Ford Focus. So I lived in a cheap apartment, didn't spend any money on stupid things. You know, didn't get tables at the bar or at the club. Um, I, I lived very frugally until I bought. I mean, I still do, but until I bought multiple properties to cash flow and replace my income. Which is great because most 26-year-olds don't no, they, grasp. They I, did, I did not buy a paint-to-sample Porsche. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, so, uh, so, Jason, okay, that's awesome, man. Honestly, much love and respect for that. And um, I had a strong feeling. I think Noel, everyone else did as well. So for the people listening, right, don't be a bum. Like you make a buck, don't spend two. Because if you talk to most people who ultimately end up being successful is they take the capital they get in from revenue and they reinvest it to the point that Eric made, which apparently we all found out he stole from Rich Dad, Poor Dad, is make your money work for you. Um, <laughs> the, the, the reality is, and as that's you're listening what, that to That was it, my first. I had no family history of real estate. So that's kind of how I learned how to do it. You're talented, bro. You don't give yourself yeah. credit. So the, the reality here is, and what we're going we're to get into with Jason a little bit is, honestly, how at 26 years old, you know, he can tell people that he's making fuck you money because, you know. Well, he didn't say he, he was yet. Did you listen, ask him? Well, he just said he has 10 units right off the bat. If you have 10 units cash flowing, we'll <laughs> get there too. But, you know, you, you're going to get to a point where when you're in a position that as you're growing, Jason could have lived his life. He could have enjoyed True. his life. So because for a lot of people who didn't have what he had, right, it's more tempting to go and get it because you didn't have it. Mm. So you think that you want it. Did it's, the Ford Focus affect your ability to get listings? That's when a you great question. When like, you pulled up in the Ford Focus, what happened? No. Well, the, the thing in commercial real estate is, I know in residential, you drive your clients around to houses and stuff, but in commercial, your clients never really see your car. I just parked. I mean, my car wasn't that bad, but I have some agents on my team that have like way worse cars than I did. They just park a little down the street and never see your car. It's fine. But I don't think... The thing is, a lot of these investors I work with, they came from that kind of mindset. So I think they respect a young guy who's doing well that comes up in a Toyota instead of a Mercedes. Okay, good answer. Also, guys, the truth was Jason got a Tesla mm -hmm. sticker and he put it on top of the Ford cover. <laughs> no, He's I'm like, no, playing. I didn't. <laughs> you guys ever see like there's a picture of the minis, there's a donkey and someone put like a BMW symbol on its head. I just think it's hilarious. Um, all right, cool, man. So, so the car didn't affect it, bother people, right? Um, on your platform. It was good. What was the first nice car you bought yourself? First, first yeah, first nice car was a Mercedes C300 2022 last year. Awesome. There you go. So you even got a C-Class. And, and now you're getting more listings. So that's great. So, <laughs> so when you started buying prop, when you started buying your own properties, right? Um, and we were having a small chat earlier. You mentioned you have a, you have a partner. Uh, were you all in 
yourself in the beginning? Like, were you redeploying most of your money? And if so, what, how did you identify a property as a good investment for you, right? Based off of the fact that you're, you're basically, you don't have a reliable source of income. It's based off of you eat what you kill in real estate. So you have to still maintain some of your money for obviously your own cash flow purposes. Like what was your logic between how you dispersed your proceeds into reinvesting and, and still living your life? Yeah. I mean, not everyone has to do it the way I did, but the way I did it was I saved up almost a million dollars worth of commissions and I deployed all that into like 12 properties in 2021. Yeah. 12 or 13. So we bought like a property a month. It was all my capital, my partner's capital. My partner and I were 50, 50 on everything. I found the deals and he ran the debt. He runs a debt fund. So we, I found deals that were significantly below market value, like 30, 40% below market value, fixed them up and then sold all of them or most of them in 2022 and bought bigger buildings, like eight units, 16 units, a 24 unit, a 30 unit. So we, we got, we moved pretty quickly by buying really good deals at a discount with a lot of debt. So I have two questions for you. How did you find that partner? How did you know that he was the one for you? Um, and then, uh, well, answer that one first and then I'll go into my second question. Yeah. Yeah. Simple question. So I think I met him just through, well, honestly, he was a client of mine as an agent. So I'd sold him three or four properties and I saw how he acted in the good times and the bad times. So I knew that he was a great potential person to partner up with. I knew I needed to at least have some sort of more experienced partner because I was, even though I were I was underwriting deals every day. I was selling properties every day. You don't know everything about a property until you buy your first deal. So I knew I wanted to have some sort of like that mentor figure for investing prop investing in my first property. And me and him really hit it off as like a broker to client relationship. So that's how that like relationship initially started. Okay. And then moving forward, um, would you continue to to use it doesn't have to be this partner but in general do you like to do your deals with other people or would you rather do them with your by yourself moving moving forward after having all these experiences that you've had with this partner yeah honestly i, I know the trend now is to beat your chest and own a 500 units and own two percent of it but i think it's much better to own eight units and own 100 percent of it because you have no one because I, I own two or three properties I own, I own 100% of. They're smaller properties, but you're your own boss. No one, you don't have to like look to anyone for a decision. You don't have to ask anyone on what you want to do. It's your deal. You're your own boss. So I think, I think if you're looking to have a lot of partners or raise a lot of money, there's pros and cons to it because now you're working for your investors, not for yourself. Okay. Love that. Totally agree with that, actually. So, all right. In your context, you said something that I, a lot of you, I understand it. Everyone here understands it, but a lot of the people listening to this podcast know. You said um, you bought with a lot of debt. Can you explain what you mean by that? Yes. Yeah, so typically when you buy a one to four unit property, you're putting down 20 to 25% down, right? For a conventional Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac loan. And then for commercial five plus, typically in San Diego, commercial depends on the cash flow of the property and how well it operates. But what the NOI is, net operating income. But in San Diego, a commercial property, because the cash flows are lower, it's like 35 to 50% down, depending on what area you're in. So what we did was we were able to utilize a lot of hard money, private money that was in my partner's fund. And 
even though it's a higher interest rate back then it was like a seven to eight interest rate. Now it's like a 10, 11, 12, but we basically got interest only hard money debt at a super high leverage, like 85, 90% leverage. So 10 to 15% down. And then they were all short-term loans. They're all like two-year loans. And within a year we would flip out of it or refinance out of it and then take the capital and work it elsewhere. Okay. In a more conventional setting. Correct. Okay. So guys, basically like just for, let me simplify for all you guys. It's like you walk into a casino, you put 10 bucks down, you hit it. Now you have 20 bucks, right? Now you can start gambling differently with that 20 bucks. Now it's obviously not the same thing because we're not talking about gambling, but just the context of basically what Jason's saying is he took his million bucks and instead of buying like three properties at 25% down conventionally where you have issues with exit, he paid a little bit more in interest, which is honestly still seven, 8% is dirt cheap money um, in any context, right? Even hard money should have been like 12 and two. So you're still doing well um, in that context, right? He was able to buy a lot more. And because he was able to buy a lot more, he didn't care about the debt. Cause if he's buying something 30 to 40% under value sure. and he's right. paying 10%, he still got a 20% spread, gets his money back. I mean, it's significant, right? Um, we're not talking about a small amount of money. So he can actually walk out cash on cash, doubling his money on some of these transactions. So Jason, on, on some of these deals that you were going into, right? Did you value add or did you just get them off market below and you could immediately move them? Or did you have to put money into them? What was your plan on these? Yeah, they were they were all value add. They were all heavy renovations. It's almost impossible to find a a good deal in San Diego that's renovated. So they're all mismanaged, below market rent need a lot of work. We're buying a problem. So in real estate, I think if you want to make a lot of money, you have to buy a problem. If you're not buying a problem, you're buying a turnkey property that doesn't need any work. So you're probably just going to ride the market. So we were buying big problems. So we had to displace tenants, move them to other units. We had to do cash for keys, do a full interior exterior renovation, electrical plumbing, roof foundation at some times, which really sucked. Um, so yeah, there were, there were very heavy remodels who, who put up the capital for those remodels, the fund or you guys did <laughs> half and half. It was some projects were just our cash. And then some projects were, um, were from debt. Cause yeah, some, some projects debt did cover the construction funds as well. Okay. <laughs> what, what does cash flow look like in San Diego? Cause California is a different market than the East coast, right? Every state's a little bit different. Like you're not going to find the deals you find in Jersey and New York. You're not gonna find the deals you find in California and New York. And California is a weird beast because you guys have historically massive swings, right? right. Whereas here you can have adjustments. There are market adjustments. California has massive market adjustments, right? So how do you factor that into your purchases and <clears throat> What do you consider a good ROI on a property? Yeah, I mean, most parts of California, if you're in a big city like San Francisco, LA, or San Diego, the cash flows are historically very low, but they're very high appreciation markets. I mean, in 2008 to 2010, there's only 12 foreclosures for multifamily properties in all of San Diego County. And prices didn't go down that much, but there's huge appreciation here. I mean, I can bet... From 2010 to now, there's been more appreciation overall in big cities in California than anywhere else in the nation. Maybe. Easily. I don't know. No, I mean, as a whole, I mean, I was looking at the stats on CoStar and no really like, like I know everyone likes Texas. Everyone likes Arizona. Everyone likes, you know, uh, what, what's the, uh, yeah, Texas, Florida. It's not even close to like San Diego's growth. So even though the cash flow isn't as high, 
Rents here grow very quickly. We have an average rent growth here of seven to 8% a year the past 15 years. So when that when rents go up, your values go up too. So even though you buy a four cap today, you might be buying a six cap two years from now. So I think that's one thing to notice. I think a good ROI in San Diego, I think if you're making, I think if your cash on cash return in San Diego is above 8%, you're going to do amazing. That's hard to find, but it's out there. But on the market, you're, you're seeing like, you know, two to 3% returns. What are you seeing in terms of, are you still like, are you still acting as an agent or broker or are you past that at this point? I am. Yeah. So I'm actually, I ventured more into commercial. So I'm doing like a lot of, not a lot, but I'm doing some industrial deals, some retail triple net lease deals around the, uh, around the country. I'm still doing multifamily and like catering to my core clients around San Diego. But now my agents kind of handle the boots in the ground running on multifamily stuff. And I kind of help and mentor them. And half my time is spent on just my own acquisitions and portfolio. Okay. So you opened up your own brokerage and started taking on agents. Yes. I've got nine agents now under my belt. That's awesome. So so is that where your love from teaching has has come from? Correct. Yeah. That's been the most fulfilling, most passionate thing I've done, I think. I think helping someone that was similar to my situation in college, because they're all straight, they were all straight out of college like three years younger than me or something like that. And taking them to where they are now has been an amazing journey to look at, to look back on. So which do you have, uh, do you have a winner out of those nine um, without mentioning any names? Is there like someone that stood out as far as transactions or they really listen to your, your, um, your guidance and the, versus others who just was like, yeah, Jason has no idea what he's doing. No, no. Everyone's been super attentive, super appreciative. Everyone, we have a really good company culture, which I'm very happy about and proud of. There, there are two or three agents that have really stood out and have done better, but everyone, everyone does what's needed. I think there is a little bit of luck in the business. And even though some guys work harder than others, some haven't gotten as lucky yet. And I think sure. that will get there if they land a few big clients. So I think they're all on their way to success. So of those two to three, what would be like a key standout, um, trait characteristic that you could say if if you have this as a as a person you could be a successful broker yeah i think for anyone watching this if you are looking to hire or if you're looking to get in the industry as a new agent i think you got to have some sort of big why some sort of big vision i think if you're not working towards something it's very easy to get sidetracked because the first couple of years is super tough you're going to be dealing with a lot of rejection no commissions, a lot of people that are probably not too nice to you on the phone because you're trying to knock down doors, talk to new people. So it can be very easy to get carried away and discouraged. So I think the people that have been most successful in at my company and that other people I've seen be very successful because I have a lot of friends in the industry that are doing very well. I think they all have had a lot of discipline and also a lot of motivation to make it and have some sort of big vision why. And also they're all ultra focused. They're very focused on like real estate is like their number one thing. And if real estate's not your number one thing, when you first start, it's gonna be very tough. If you're, if you worry more about getting drunk on a Thursday night, or you worry more about your next vacation, it's very hard to stay in the moment and focus on real estate. And it really has to be your life for the first three or four years. Jason, Agreed. what's your primary source of income? Would you say right now it's your rent roll net? Or is it your brokerage? 
Great question. I think, I mean, my, my brokerage actually is still, you know, doing really well. I'm still very active. So that's where I get most of my cash flow. I've, I've reinvested almost all my profits from my cash flowing properties and from properties I've sold that I've 1031 into. So I haven't really taken any profits from, from the rental portfolio. So you just take the rent, you let it amass, then you buy something else. Correct. Yeah. And that's something that's, that's a huge tip I can give on the podcast is all the smartest investors I've talked to that are, that have owned thousands of units around town that are billionaires, hundred millionaires, they all reinvested their profits and they had some sort of income to support themselves while they were growing their portfolio. Like if you live up the cash flow too fast, you're not going to be able to grow. So sure. if you want to grow your portfolio, you got to have some sort of income coming in. Yeah. I actually started the other way. I, I developed first, didn't have that cash flow. I went right into the real estate development. And then I ran out of money. I was like, I can't buy anymore. So then I started a brokerage after that. And then I kind of worked my way back through it by after making the money through the brokerage. So interesting. Did you Do you property manage your own properties or you have a company doing it? No way. Uh, I've got a few third-party managers. Yeah. That would take up all my time. And what, awesome. what's, what are the typical rates for like management out there? Like they take you 5% of your gross. How does that work? Yeah, spot on. So usually for multifamily here, it's like four to 6%. If it's like single family homes, it's like 8%, but multifamily is all in the four to 6% range. So how, so how much property management do you do? Do you spend, what time frame do you spend on that? And you're managing for others or you're just managing your own properties? He doesn't. He has third parties that manage. You have all third parties. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't manage any of my properties. Right. Okay, good. Which yeah. makes sense. That's that's time. It's sense. a waste of your yeah. time. So you got one. You got one partner. Do you guys have this like arrangement where you just buy things together, or you still do your own side stuff? He may do his own side deals. And well, he owns a couple of uh, buildings, right? You said you own a couple, a hundred percent. Yeah, no, we're we're not tied to each other. So I, I do There's own no a few buildings, yet. just me and one. Of, yeah, some other partners too, but yeah. So so hold on, I I know you're looking at the bigger. Um, multifamily, and then we had talked about retail and, and whether you're you're going to go for that retail flavor or not. Um, ha, has your your mindset still? Are you still still stuck on the the multifamily without the retail? Are you looking more towards opening up your mind? I personally, I'm opportunistic. I think if I can <laughs> grasp all my potential, if I can take a calculated risk and buy a great deal, I don't care what kind of asset it is. It's all about the price and all about what you can do with yeah. it. So I'm actually in the middle of buying an industrial deal right now. I, I really like that asset class because there's not a lot of inventory in San Diego, sure. just like apartments. Mixed use is great too. I mean, retail, I mean, every asset is great as long as you buy it for a good number and it's in a solid location where you can actually make sense of it. Okay. What do you do for fun? He's 26. He can do anything for fun. He doesn't no. have time for fun. No, no. I mean, you golf. Like, what? <clears throat> Everyone has an unwind. What's your unwind? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I golf with my my teammates. Um, with my uh my team on the weekends, and then hang out with my two dogs a lot. My girlfriend. We go hiking. A lot, a lot of outdoor stuff. Go to the beach. So yeah. I mean, we're in the office a lot, so it's good to have a breath of fresh air on the weekends or on a Sunday. So wait, hold on, where your office is, do you own that property or do you rent? 
So I'm, I have a really good deal on it. I, I'm subleasing it from a client that I worked with in the past, but my lease is coming due in August. So I'm looking to buy a property with my with an SBA loan, 10% down. Okay, that's awesome. Have you, have you, what, have you ever had an SBA loan before? Or this would be your first one. This will be my first one. I've heard a lot of different things about it, but the, the, the only thing that gets me is tell me this, you have to occupy 51% of space, right? Yes. Yeah. That's the only thing that sucks. I, I would love to go bigger, but I don't like, for example, if I buy like a 20,000 foot office space, I'd only need like 3000 square feet, but I'm pre-approved up to like six and a half million. So I can go big, but I can't because I got to occupy half of it. So. Well, I, I think so there's long tables. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't, I don't know if you could, and, and I don't know the rules on this, but if you occupy 51% and he's paying 51% of the rent, but then he subleases We're not inside. I don't know. I don't know the rules. <laughs> gonna, maybe gonna, maybe that's okay. I'm going to do Jason the courtesy here and season. This is that line of uh, thought process on a recorded line. Hmm. So, all right, yo, Jason, you don't have to answer this because it's kind of personal, but um, uh-huh. I, I think it would be interesting for our listeners to understand the mentality. I'm, and I'm sure you know these numbers. And again, be like, nah, like I don't want to get into that. Um, what is your net worth? Compare and what do you? What is your actual monthly spend? Hmm. Two yeah, totally so different things. No, they're not. Watch. So my monthly spend is a lot. Actually, I mean, a lot of it is on like marketing and trying to grow. But no, on your personal life. Let me take not business. How much do you spend on your personal life? Yeah, forget business. That's not. Maybe he doesn't want everyone to know this. He can say he doesn't have to answer it. You don't have to answer. No, no, I'll, I'll answer. I don't mind. My personal life. Let's see. My rents forty. I'd say my personal life, I'm spending an average of five to six grand a month, maybe. Yeah, like, yeah, maybe seven grand a month sometimes. Wow. Can I trade? <laughs> no, this is really interesting. And then compared to your net worth. Yeah. And then my net worth is like a little over $10 million right now. Right. So yeah. guys, put that, that into, put that into context, you know, and, and th- this is why it's so important. What he's spending a month is what most people who make 120 grand a year spend. Yep. Right. Mm-hmm. That's their average spend per month. And he's he's keeping his lifestyle until he's done growing to an area where he's comfortable. He's keeping his lifestyle at a level where it, it, it's a fraction of, it's like 1% effectively monthly of his net worth. Until he gets married. He's got a girlfriend. <laughs> right. Until he's comfortable enough to, to, to enjoy some of his, his proceeds, right? And probably when the market's turning, so what? Yeah, different so what's your what's your what's your goal number, right? So what's that okay, number? What's your goal number? Because I know you were going to ask this question. What's your goal number? So you're at ten. Can, what, we, can we guess it? I I'm going to. Oh, well, how, how are we going to guess gonna it? We're going to ask you what's your what's your goal, right? right your and net worth. I, each goal, of us. Right? Let's, get, let's guess okay. an answer, right? I'm going to say he doesn't have one. He's just going to keep. Growing I'm going to say he has one. Right. Correct. Ding ding ding. And I'm going to tell you what I mean. So me or him? I'm gonna tell you what what I think it would be. I think it's a hundred. I think it's a hundred. I think it's a hundred million. I I don't have a goal, so. Um, yeah. He's living in the moment. He is what young people are. No. He is no. He is. He's Not living. Like, he's living the exact opposite of the moment. No, he's living in the moment. He's just going and going and going, and he's taking it as far as he can go. I love it. Entrepreneurs have true entrepreneurs are not goal oriented because people are goal oriented, hit their goal and then they fall off. 
People who are entrepreneurs who just wish to develop, develop. Living in the moment is, he's just impulse. He's not impulse. No, no, no. That's not what living in the moment is. Living in the moment is just being like, this is what I'm doing and I'm just going to keep on expanding what I'm doing. Yeah, but at some point you have to chill. So you don't have a number that you're like, if I get here, I'm not going to stop being an entrepreneur. I'm not going to stop working. I'm not going to stop growing. But like, this is my comfort. He'll know it when he feels it. So you don't have any number. I mean, I really enjoy what I do. I, I think I think I care about making an impact more about my, I mean, my personal net worth means nothing to me. I mean, even though I look back and I was surprised by it, like it doesn't give me like a warm and fuzzy feeling. I think what really gives me a warm and fuzzy feeling is like showing other people that they can do it too. There you go. Uh -huh. I don't have warm and fuzzy feelings. <laughs> Fuck other people. <laughs> that's but, why, that's... Look, I respect that you feel that way, right? <laughs> no, we, we're, we're big favorites. on that. I like yeah. him. that. That's why we started our school. It's basically right? like other people. We're warm and fuzzy. We, we wanted to give back too. Yeah, East Coast, we West Coast give, wars, bro. We, we like to give back. back. We give back. We give back. It's all about giving back. Nima, that's Everybody why you're back. That's why you're on the end of the table. Yeah, we look, I give back. Um, which is yes, money, not time. Yes. Um, but that's cool, Jason. Honestly, we I, I respect a lot. Um, you know what you're doing, mm -hmm. and um, I think what a lot of people also should should recognize the fact is that net worth is not the gross amount of his assets; it's what his net amount is. So if you th actually think about what he has, right? If he stopped today and just let it debt service and grow, where he'll be in 15 years when that sure. that equity is grown. It, 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 it's like your net worth that becomes a snowball that just accumulates. He's got over a hundred units, right? So while he may not be reaping the full benefit of those now, he's if he parked, if he just put his car in park, right, or in neutral, it's neutral is a better analogy. It's just rolling, mm -hmm. and as it services, as it pays for itself, and as it just grows, that ten will probably be worth. If you had to say the estimated value, uh, let's guess right now, it's at least. 30 million to 34 million based off the numbers you gave me if it was all paid off debt free, right? I'm going to guess 36. Yeah, yeah, somewhere around. And that's conservative. 37, right? Right. And I don't even know where the units are, yeah. right? You're just looking at, you know, reverse engineering cash flow numbers, what the rates are, what you can lend on. So just doing basic math in my head. So if he does nothing, right, in about, in about, by the time he's 46 years old, he's 50, you know, he'll be worth He'll be worth 36 millions of today's dollar, but then you factor in an 8% appreciation over 20 years, he's worth $100 million. There you go. That's right? the number. So if he yeah. stopped number. working today, <laughs> that was the number, right? if he stopped working today, what you guys don't get is that in, when he's 50 years old, he's worth $100 million based off of appreciation averages that he gave, the numbers he gave, and the pay down of his debt. So, so now I know that that didn't make you warm and fuzzy at 10, but when Nima tells you it's 100, you got to have a little bit of tingle there. He knows it's 100. <laughs> so what does your girlfriend do? If I remember, she's in real estate too, right? Yeah, yeah. She's in, she's in residential real estate. Mm -hmm. Sorry to hear that. No, that's wonderful. I, I asked do you him. guys, I mean, is there a big synergy there? Do you guys, I mean, that he immerses she himself she in, in, in like, oh real my God, estate. The, the shades were so bad on this house. And he's like, girl, I got no time for that shit. I'm talking about cap rates and ROIs. Like, is she part of your brokerage? Shades. Sorry, what was that? Is she part of your brokerage? Uh, no, she works on a different, different company. Okay. Smart man. You know. Yeah. Don't work with your girlfriend. Yeah. So now we we know that your goal in life is to start teaching more people. So how do people get how do people get in touch with you? How do our viewers find you? Um, if they want to take a class from you, are you doing classes yet? Like I know you're you have big aspirations. What's where are you with that? 
Yeah, I mean, you and I are launching a class together at your your company, so we are. That's so right. You can find him at the Center for Real Estate Education. Yeah, so that's that's number one. <laughs> number two, you can just reach out or my website, um, jlmrealestateinc.com, or my Instagram, my full name, Jason Joseph Lee. Easiest way. Jason Joseph Lee at Instagram. Is that how you do it? No, you do a little ad. Uh, whatever. Oh my God. I don't have an Instagram <laughs> account. Even on your cell phones. <laughs> but listen, Jason, I'm actually going to be up in Cali next month. I'll probably, probably Golf Tory Pines. Um, and uh, I'm going to do a drive that's like up there. I'm taking a car out there. It's kind you of should fun. meet him and take him out. Yeah, I'm going to say. So yeah, if you're, if you're interested in that, I don't know if you do like cars and coffee out there. I'm, I'm sending out a 930 Turbo, so I'm going to be driving What's around out there. You should definitely join up. I think he just made it up. <laughs> yeah. Let's do it. Is that a California thing, cars and coffee? Yeah, only in California. If you do it here, you get <laughs> shot. <laughs> uh, awesome. How do you guys not heard of cars and coffee? It's when people who like cars get together and they have coffee. So it's cars and coffee, right? And Cali, but it is much bigger in Cali because Cali has really good weather year round. And they actually have everyone like- Everyone has great cars. Well, no, it's like they have like fun classics. Like they have fun drives. Like they, you, know, you drive the Pacific Coast Highway. Like it's pretty, it's scenic. Like it's actually fun. Here it's like, you know, drive down like Route 17. It's too busy here. Over yeah. there, it's more of like you really just enjoy the weather. You go out to like the mountains. Like so you're gonna it, go up the coast. Yeah, yeah, it's like really pretty. So it's like fun, which is why I'm gonna be there for a little bit. My wife's like, you're crazy. I'm like, no, like I want to do this. So okay, yeah, I'm shipping a car send out. Us, and I'm send us pictures. It. So. If you want to see the pictures of Jason and Nima, you got to subscribe, guys. You got to subscribe, okay? Oh, yeah, so- I haven't volunteered to share pictures <laughs> of me driving around California. That's okay. We'll put them on our Instagram. You have to subscribe to my fake Instagram. We have it's Mary 24 You know, send that dude messages being like, yo, you know, I, that, I, that F right. It says red. So feel free to message that guy and be like, why do you have Nima's really cool picture? Him? I'm trolling technically myself. Oh, my God. So subscribe, 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 everyone. Press that button. You can find us on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, wherever you get your uh, podcast. I actually have another question for Jason. Okay. What is your what is your belief right now on where we're going? Mm. Are we going into a dumpster fire or do you think that we're going to hold? It really depends what market you're in, I think. You think the Cali market's going to hold or versus the East? Like, give us details. What's your opinion? No politics answer. Give us the raw, raw. Like, we're, we're, like where real estate's going to go or just the market in general? Let's talk real estate, right? Because real estate and the market are hand in hand, yes. right? Yeah, I think, I think we'll see a softening. I think, obviously, buyer confidence has dropped significantly. So we'll see what happens. I don't have a crystal ball, but I definitely think some markets will get hit harder than others. I definitely think we'll see some good deals. But... I really don't know how bad it's going to get. I'm not sure. Do you see opportunity out? Oh, it's going to be a bloodbath. There's always opportunity. It's going to be an absolute bloodbath. That's your opinion. All right. I've been saying it, and everything I've said so far has come true. I'm telling you, guys, it's going to be a bloodbath. Dude, we're going to, everyone's going to get their heads chopped that's off. A very, that's a very interesting point, Nima. It's going to be sharing brutal. that. And um, I do I do agree that some of the banks are tightening their lending guidelines. So, so Jason, you want to make sure that when you're ready to buy that office, you know what the SBA new guidelines are going to be. But um, I, I like to see opportunities and everything as I, as I know you do. So there's always opportunities yeah. for people who are who's I said this on prior podcasts, right? You buy in a good and bad economy at a number that you'll always make money. Even when yeah. it's hot you the last two years, I never buy what the market today dictates. I buy what I feel the property is worth in the shittiest of economies. And there if I'm not, I pass on it. 
right? So at the end of the day, if you buy right, it doesn't matter what economy you're in or what cycle you're in. If you're right. buying for the market, well, guess what? You're you're the type of people who are not going to be able to debt service so, or cash service. So Jason, your last piece of advice, <laughs> what's your what number one piece of advice for an acquisition today? Buying today, what would you buy? What's your what's your advice for for someone who's looking to buy uh, an investment property? One line, one sentence, one thing. Don't pay fair market value. All right, yep. there, you, there go. you go. Well, thanks for joining us. Thank you so much, Jason. This has been such a pleasure, and we can't wait to launch the 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 class that we're doing with you. It's going to be amazing. 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 Mm -hmm. so. Maybe you're going to teach Nima and and <laughs> and me something. It should be interesting, bro. I, lo I I love to learn. I'm I'm always 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 trying. And can to I learn. come for cups and coffee? Cars and coffee. Cars and coffee. Yes. Cars and coffee. <laughs> you can. You can. <laughs> but it's actually like every weekend in LA has so many cool things and like really interesting. This is honestly why I love I love California. Like if I if I thought that I could raise a family there, I'd I'd, I'd live there. And if I didn't have you know my family's real estate holdings. Like they just they just have so many fun activities because the weather's good all year round. All right. right. Well, on that note, we'll see you for cars and coffee. Remember, if you visualize it, you can own it. We'll see you next time. Or golf, Tory Pods. <laughs> <if I, laughs> <Bye. that> <laughs> Thanks, Jason. Have a good one. Thank you. Bye.